Welcome to New Books in Psychoanalysis. This is Philip Lance, your host for today's podcast. Today I'm interviewing Jonathan House. And this is a little bit different kind of an interview because um, Jonathan's not exactly the author of this book that we're looking at today. The book is La Planche, an introduction. Although he has a lot to do with the book, um, as a, well, he'll tell you, but a translator, a publisher, an editor. Um, but uh, the book is, uh, has an introduction by Dominic Scarfone and then some um, kind of seminal articles by Laplanche and Pontali. So we'll tell you more about what this book is all about in a moment. But meanwhile, Jonathan teaches courses on Freud and Laplanche in the Psychoanalytic Studies Program of Columbia University's Institute for Comparative Literature and Society. And at Columbia, he is also on the faculty of the Department of Psychiatry. And also, I guess, at Columbia, he's on the on this, uh, he's a training and supervising analyst um, of the Center for Psychoanalytic Training. So welcome to the program, Jonathan. Thanks so much, Philip. And uh, yeah, so why don't you tell us about these different hats you wear and kind of like what you do for a living, exactly. Well, I have a long history. I'll skip over the first part. I used to uh, be an internist, and I took a year off, which turned into a decade to work for the labor movement, and then decided to go uh, back and uh, do another residency in psychiatry with the notion of becoming uh, an analyst. Um, but uh, the psychiatry, I figured uh, if the psychoanalysis didn't work out, I could always sell drugs. Um, and, uh, uh, but it turns out I rather like psychiatry, but uh, I like psychoanalysis more. So I, I did go on with uh, psychoanalytic training at Columbia's Institute, uh, Center for Psychoanalytic Training and Research. And uh, I've been very lucky. And then the, you know, to bring it all the way up to date for reasons we may get into, um, I got involved in translating Laplanche and got to know him and uh, eventually was appointed by him to uh, the council that, that runs the Fondation Laplanche, uh, who's fund, who was funded by Laplanche in his lifetime and again uh, in his uh, uh, will. And the goal of the, uh, the foundation is to uh, see that his work is translated and, and better known throughout the world. Um, and uh, in, in effect, I am uh, responsible for the translations into English of his work, which is about half done, maybe a little more, a little less, about half. So when I skipped what I do for a living, you know, at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I earn my bread uh, by the practice of psychoanalysis and psychotherapy. And uh, that's my full-time job, and, uh, which I also adore. Yeah. I saw your online, you, you charge really nice high rates. I want to be able to charge, charge and collect those rates someday. Um, maybe because you have high overhead right there on what what's Fifth Avenue or like you're across the street from the yes. Metropolitan. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, uh, I'm on Fifth Avenue right in the middle of all the museums. I don't know yeah. that that's what allows me to charge the rates. Uh, <laughs> no matter what I put online, it's always a negotiation. Yeah. But I, 
there's a, a story I sometimes tell about that, that uh, when I was, I've done a lot of different teaching at the medical school, the residency and analytic institute, you know, down at the uh, re- regular university. But one thing I did uh, for a little while was each new medical student has in their first year four sessions, I guess it is, or encounters with a psychiatrist. And uh, there was this um, working class uh, young woman uh, who I was seeing for these four hour encounters. And um, I told her uh, I was not only a psychiatrist, but a psychoanalyst. And uh, she said, well, what's that exactly? Uh, with a, a certain raising of the eyebrow that indicated to me that uh, she had already had an idea of what it was. And what I said to her is, well, I, I, it's sort of like being a Rolls-Royce mechanic. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's true that my analytic work, psychotherapy work, is what supports um, my teaching and, you know, none of which gets paid and the, the supervision and uh, all of that is not. And now the, the writing and the translating and and uh, the publishing enterprise itself. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get back to that. And I get that question a lot, too, when people say, well, aren't you, if I, you know, I say I'm, I'm in training to be a psychoanalyst. Well, but aren't you already a Ph.D. in clinical psychology and a psychotherapist? And I say yes. But um, I like to say that it's kind of the gold standard uh, of, of psychotherapy, although I'm sure some people would take issue with that. And it's not um, <clears throat> that's what we like to think it is. But uh, there's some controversy out there. But let's get back to to make sure our listeners know about this book we're going to talk about today. So can you tell us the different tell us about this book and, and like the breakdown of different parts of it and who's involved in putting it together, so this was, including who, who is, who is Laplanche and who is, you know, that too. All right. Well, a couple of questions. I'll go back to the, who is Laplanche, um, which is an easier one than what psychoanalysis that you were asking. <laughs> that question always reminds me of when people ask me, are you a Freudian? And uh, I, I never know what to answer to that. I, you know, I just, so I generally say yes. Um, and then we take it from there. Uh, I'm a believer in the conflict uh, theory of the advance of knowledge. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. a so to the, the book uh, was the third uh, book, I think, that the Unconscious in Translation published. And the uh, foundation thought that this should be uh, an early one. Because the central text of the book is a text by Dominique Scarfone, and it was initial, which was initially published in a, a series of uh, books that came out in France called Psychoanalysts of Today, and each one was devoted to uh, one analyst, and there would be a essay about his work, uh, and then selections, uh, excerpts here and there. The essays tended to be pretty good. I thought the notion of having little excerpts, you know, was a bizarre way to present uh, anyone's work. Um, but at any rate, Dominique wrote this wonderful essay. It was uh, back, oh, I'm wondering, at least 15 years or more ago, so maybe 20 years, 
So Laplanche was still alive and developing his work. Though it doesn't quite cover the full range of Laplanche's work, but it's a, it's a lovely uh, essay. Um, and he wrote that he wrote in, French, in French. And it was. Did he himself translate it into it, English um, or someone? Is, um, the person who translated is someone he's worked with and I've worked with is Dorothy Bonnegal Katz, the a French woman, an analyst who uh, lives and works uh, in London. Um, and uh, and uh, she's terrific. She's translated a bunch of, of Dominique's stuff. And uh, so she did that translation, plus the third part of the book, which is uh, an article Laplanche wrote as an introduction to Beyond the Pleasure Principle. Um, and then the that's perhaps one of the last pieces he ever wrote. And then one of the first pieces he ever wrote, which I guess we'll get into, is uh, one that I translated. So my notion was we were going to do Dominique's piece as the center, and then to take a, a very early piece by Laplanche, actually by La Planche and Pontalis, um, and then take the latest uh, uh, work that he'd done. And uh, so that's Okay, so so let's let's see. So so the uh, you call this called it the central part of the book was Dominique's essay, which is kind of an intro it's a broad overview introductory to, introduction to La Planche. Um and uh, I had a question about that, but I can't remember what that was. But okay, so um, so let's go. Um, let's move away from the book for a moment, and we'll get back to it. And and I because I think it's very interesting. This pub would you call it a little publishing enterprise called the Unconscious in Translation, and and that makes you kind of the general editor publisher. Say a little more about what that project is about. Okay, and I realize I've skipped over your question of who's Laplanche and why is it yeah. important to come back to that. But um, the, actually, the two go together because uh, I started the publishing house um, because so little, almost none, of Laplanche's work had been translated into English. There was, of course, you know the uh, the book that everyone has, you know, the language of psychoanalysis that he wrote and that came out in um, seven, I guess, in French and in 70 in English. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, you know, sort of every language and country analysts and uh, scholars in all sorts of areas use that. Um, and, uh, but other than that, and a, his major text from 1970, uh, which was La Planche alone, um, he, he was largely unknown, a couple of exceptions, but largely untranslated. So the my notion at first was let's get La Planche translated, and then a little bit more grandiose, the notion is first La Planche and maybe later others that works by psychoanalysts and by those in philosophy of mind, cognitive science, that uh, should be in English and should be available to us Anglophones um, that have not been translated. I wanted to try and 
translate and publish. And obviously not me doing all the translating, but uh, that's why I set up the unconscious in translation. In other words, the notion was that there's a lot of stuff that is going to get translated. Andre Green is going to get translated. Um, uh, Lacan is going to be fully translated. And in fact, various translations. So this is the notion of translating what, what wouldn't otherwise uh, be translated into English. And, uh, and, the, the and so what qualifies you? <laughs> I'm asking this kind of funny because I, I, what qualifies you to translate from French into English? How did you learn in French, in other words? Oh, um, well, it's, it's, it's an awfully good question. Um, it, it, the straightforward answer is nothing. Here's how it started. <laughs> I was uh, in my first year of candidacy. Uh, I, you know, we had a very rigorous course with Freud uh, and reading most of the standard edition. At least it was assigned, although, you know, like everyone else who sort of get to it a bit uh, later, you know, reading it for the second, i.e. first time sometime. But at any rate, I was quite disappointed um, that I was still really befuddled by a lot of Freud. And uh, one of the central things I was had a hard time with that it seemed to me Freud had a hard time with was the question of sexuality in many directions. It was easy to pick out parts to admire and yet easier to pick out parts to criticize. But it didn't feel like I could get my arms around it. And um, then someone tipped me off to the article um, that initially came out in English. It was written in French. But it was an article in French published in 1964 by La Planche en which was, is really, it's as if the language of psychoanalysis, that book, is almost, was almost the research for this paper that was Okay, and this paper is the one that's in the book we're talking about today, yes, just to keep that in the mind of, of the Although listeners. its first title was in English, uh, was um, Fantasy and the Origins of Sexuality, which is quite a fair title for it. Um, the title in French is different and uh, more fun. It's... Uh, Primal fantasies, fantasies of origins, origins of fantasy. It's even more fun in French. Anyway, I, I just read the English version, thought it was great, but I was still sort of confused and figured I ought to read the uh, French version. Um, and uh, I tried to read the French version, and it was really too hard for me. My French wasn't good enough. So uh, I couldn't just drink it in uh, the, the way I, I can English. So I actually spent a couple of years working at nights um, and translated that essay. And then in 2002, I sent uh, my efforts to La Planche. And uh, that's how a, a conversation began uh, with him. By then, I'd read uh, some other of his work as well. It, there was... Excellent translation, although we've redone it, of New Foundations for Psychoanalysis, which just came out in, in 2017. But the initial translation, almost right after he wrote it, he wrote it in 87, was done by David Macy, terrific translator. Um, at any rate, uh, I developed a correspondence with Laplanche and uh, eventually took on translating his most recent work, which came out, I guess, in 2011 in English, 
2007 in um, in, in French. Uh, is the English title is Freud and the Sexual, where sexual is a, a new word in, in French um, and meant to indicate uh, basically polymorphous perverse sexuality, the uh, infantile sexuality, the expanded sense of that Freud gives the notion of sexuality. Okay, so so that's keeping us close to this question of why is Laplanche important? Sexuality keeps coming up and he really puts sexuality at the center of the psychoanalytic project. Um, and maybe you can say more about that, but I wanted to also go back to, you mentioned the language of psychoanalysis, which people who are new to the field or some candidates might even know what, what that book is. It's kind of an encyclopedia, right? Or a dictionary of psychoanalysis. But would you say it's very, I don't think I realized when I used to consult it, how is it in a particularly Laplanchian, Lepontali take on Freud, or does it try to be kind of neutral in terms of ways of understanding Freud? I think that while I wouldn't even call it a dictionary or an encyclopedia, those are fair comments at it. They're really small little essays uh, and an attempt to give a sense of the meaning of words in Freud's work. So um, like all of Laplanche, um, and uh, in some ways, like French psychoanalysis in all of its variations, quite generally, there's an, a, a much greater emphasis on uh, starting out with Freud and moving on from there. So this is uh, more the explication du texte in the sense of, here's how Freud uses the word, here's what it means in Freud. So neutral, uh, yes, um, to the extent that anything can be. And then there's also even the, the little essays, of course, are translated into English, a brilliant translation by Donald Nicholson Smith. Um, and, uh, but, you know, one, one could raise questions about every detail of the work and the translations, much like Strachey's translation raises all sorts of questions. But the centerpiece of Laplanche uh, is definitely some notion, if you want to use a Lacanian notion, of a, a return to Freud. In some ways, one could question whether Lacan is really a return to Freud. He, he takes off from Freud and goes in very creative directions. Um, but uh, a more uh, scholarly uh, approach uh, to, uh, to understanding Freud uh, it comes from Laplanche and, you know, Laplanche and Pontalis. And it, it's a project in a sense that Laplanche did continued in two ways. First, in his own developing theory, the centerpiece is that New Directions, uh, New Foundations for Psychoanalysis in 87. But in addition to his own work and developing theorizing, he was the uh, head of the group who over 30 years fully translated all of Freud's work from the German into French, making good use of Strachey's translation into English, um, but having the advantage of coming after the standard edition 
and in addition, having access to much more of Freud's, many more of Freud's texts than uh, Strachey and his team had. So uh, Laplanche, who died in, in, in 2012, got to see the, the last volumes of that published, uh, except for the index, I think. His, his, his relationship to Freud is a deep one. The phrase he uses, Laplanche, is he wants to put Freud to work. And what that, one way to understand that is uh, something I remember, I think, I'm not misquoting him, Roy Schaefer once said, there isn't a single page of Freud on which he isn't profoundly wrong. And yet, and yet here, you know, he, there's another of the great Freud scholars, incidentally, right? Roy Schaefer. Um, and yet, uh, where he's wrong, he's often both asking new questions that are still questions, and even, this is more me than, than Roy, but, uh, and even where he's profoundly and obviously wrong, Sometimes the answers he's giving are still the best ones we have. So if you, if you take that paradox for a second, the question becomes, Freud was an awfully bright fellow and he had some very good ideas. So if he's going way off the track, there must be some reason that this rather smart fellow is saying contradictory and foolish things. Uh, and God knows he says contradictory and foolish things. So uh, if we don't just take that and dismiss that stuff, but say, wait, there's something interesting here because he's trying to answer something and maybe there's something about the answer, something about the question that makes it quite hard to answer. And if we get to that, for instance, what's special about sexuality might be a good example. Um, you can find out why Freud is having such a problem, maybe we can take a step beyond what he was able to do. Yeah, and that's what, that's what Laplanche does. And I, I have to say, as I've begun sort of dipping into Laplanche, it's been really exciting to me to sort of re, rediscover, maybe discover really for, for me, for the first time, how Freud makes sense in a way he, he didn't when I was originally studying during candidacy and especially around sexuality so in my my sessions with clients when sexuality begins to arise it it's exciting because uh not only it's fun to talk about sexuality but because i feel like we're actually getting to um the unconscious and the way that freud understood it at least as laplanche says freud understood it so let's let's say that somebody like me wants to really begin learning laplanche um what would be a course of study? So obviously this book we're talking about today, Laplanche, an introduction, seems like it would be a good place to begin. But um, what would you, you kind of actually laid out for me some ways of going into it in an email you sent to me at the beginning when I first contacted you. But um, can you give us some thoughts about how to learn Laplanche? Yes, I, I would say three possibilities or anyway, um, one uh the, the simplest, really, is to uh, get his his last uh, collection of essays. In French, it was uh, sexual, 
that I mentioned. Um, and, the, the, and the subtitle was La sexualité élargie au sens freudien. So translating it sexual, sexuality enlarged in the Freudian sense. And it's a collection of his essays from uh, 2000 to 2006. And he only wrote, you know, very little after that. Um, and uh, it's in English. It's published by The Unconscious in Translation uh, with the title Freud and the Sexual, with sexual in italics to show that it's has an unusual meaning here. Um, and uh, in that book, uh, I generally recommend uh, about four chapters, chapters uh, one, two, five, uh, and uh, ten. To then each one is about twenty pages, maybe twenty-five. Big print, large margins, <laughs> many much space between the lines. I mean, it, it's it's not it's not a, it's not a ponderous read. Some of it's really fun. Laplanche can, in his late work, as this was, is is a a lot more fun to read than in some ways than his earlier work, which is denser. Um, so I would that would be. You sort of starting and get a sense of where Laplanche arrives uh, by the time he's integrated all of his 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 study over forty fifty years. The other another way to do it would be uh, to begin uh, sort of when Laplanche uh, takes off. Well, a little bit of history for Laplanche maybe here. Uh, Laplanche. Um, was uh, grew up in Burgundy, uh, the son of a wealthy wine merchant. Um, when during the war, he helped out in the resistance, uh, carrying messages in the handlebars of his bike, um, and uh, both in Paris and in in uh, Burgundy. Uh, he was the second son, so he was sort of sent off to Paris to become an intellectual, and went to the you know sort of the most intellectual of schools to, that prepares for the. Ecole Normale Supérieure, and he went into philosophy, uh, where he sort of partners in that uh, Ecole Normale Supérieure with uh, Pontalis. There, um, <laughs> uh, each two of them would have an older student who was uh, help them uh, as graduate students, and uh, th- their older sort of tutor, uh, uh, still also a graduate student, uh, was Althusser. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was an amazing time, you know, with Merleau-Ponty was one of their teachers, Sartre. Um, it was you know, a quite remarkable time during and especially just after the war. So um, he, Laplanche gets interested in psychoanalysis, goes into analysis with Lacan. Lacan tells him, well, if you want to, you know, be an analyst, you've got to become a psychiatrist. So in a couple of years' time, Laplanche, in addition to being, you know, a major philosopher, uh, becomes a psychiatrist, um, spends a year at Harvard, too. Um, and in the early 60s, in about 1959-60, uh, he and a number of other people uh, who had been in the same circle as Lacan and had been his student and his analysand, um breaks with him intellectually. Uh, but as he once said to me, you know, Lacan um, was 
very tolerant of intellectual differences until one broke with him politically, uh, or one could say until Lacan took off politically. Mm. So by 1960, for instance, uh, Laplanche uh, at a major conference on the unconscious uh, takes the position that the unconscious is not structured like a language, uh, just to be, you said, how early. But the break with Lacan really comes a couple of years later when Lacan founds his own his own school. Um, and the, the whole long history won't get into. But at any rate, he writes then these two things with Pontalis, the language of psychoanalysis, the dictionary or encyclopedia, um, and this essay uh, that's in the book that we're talking about. Um, in 1970, he writes Life and Death in Psychoanalysis. Uh, then there follow ongoing lots of essays that are published. Uh, La Planche is teaching and as a seminar at the Sorbonne. Um, I think it was at Paris Set. Uh, and his lectures are many of them, uh, the, each semester or sometimes two semesters worth of lectures were published in a series of volumes called Problematique, uh, one, two, three, four, five, until uh, in 87, he does a quite remarkable synthesis, which is the new foundations. Uh, then after that, again, continuing to publish articles and give talks and so forth, which are collected in a number of volumes, um, there are, uh, there are some other books, one on sexuality, one on après coup, which later were called Problematique 6 and 7. Um, and uh, I, I guess, and, and really, and then the collections of his, of his essays. Simultaneously, he's, he's running the translation of Freud with uh, the, the colleagues he'd been working with for you know, 20, 30 years. Uh, I, I think I've gone off, but you know, then he, in France, he becomes an important figure, but perhaps unlike Lacan, unlike André Green, um, unlike a number of important psychoanalysts and theoreticians, he doesn't uh, found a school of his own. Uh, and... Uh, Maybe in part that's because his writing almost never uh, goes into clinical cases, clinical examples even. So it might have, may have been harder for people to rally around that. Also, uh, his style was rather uh, less... Um, uh, he, he didn't seem to... Not that he wasn't very firm in his opinions and, and could be a difficult man to work with, but uh, he didn't seem to want to have uh, a, uh, a followership in the same way that some others did, and, and which, incidentally, I don't think is a bad idea. I think it's, you know, um, as a devoted Laplanche follower at the moment, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. But it's, at any rate, in un Andre Green, unlike Ponzieux, unlike uh, okay. uh, Lacan, uh, un unlike the fourth group, he was uh, affiliated with uh, the, what's the 
the, of the two big uh, institutes that are affiliated with the IPA. Uh, the one is the SPP, that's the biggest one, and then there's the uh, APF, uh, which is smaller and more uber intellectual kind of thing. And that was Laplanche. I'll give one other interesting note about Laplanche. After the war, he um, uh, founded with Castoriadis and Claude Lefort and some others a group called uh, Socialism or Barbarism. And they published a journal of that under that name as well. And it was, uh, again, uh, you know, for me, almost unbearably arcane intellectual Marxist work. At least I have a hard time with Castoriadis. Brilliant stuff, but hard to read. Um, and uh, anyway, so the, he was very involved on the left, both during the war and the resistance and then after the war. Um, but uh, in many, that certainly isn't reflected in any direct way in his analytic writing. Okay. I'm, I'm holding another question in mind, which I think I'll insert now, which is, so as we're understanding, how would one begin to learn Laplanche? Um, there's reading his actual writings, many of which you've translated, beginning that book you just mentioned, The Sexual, which I can't say. And I read those chapters. Those are great. But another way to learn uh, theorists is by reading kind of the secondary literature, which could be, for instance, Dominic's introduction essay to the book today, Laplanche and Introduction. But you also sent me another... You'll have to tell me. Um, I love Dominic's essay. I think that that, that, that is, uh, however, a bit more difficult uh, than reading actually the primary text. He goes because he's really covering, it's a very insightful essay into Laplanche as a whole. And I mean, it's not, it's not a simple text, Dominique's. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because people listening, um, you know, there's, we, we don't always know who our audience is here and some people are further along than others, but I would say, yeah, that essay by Dominique is difficult, which is why I was going to say there was another one you introduced me to that essay in the um, Journal of Contemporary Psychoanalysis written by a, an, I guess he's an interpersonalist, but it was a kind of another sort of long essay on Laplanche. What was his name? Is Pascal Sauvert. Yeah, I found that one. He's at the William Allison White. He's great. Um, and, and that was kind of written in Americanese, I would call it, like for those of us who grew up in uh, sort of the that tradition and and uh and it it was a i was another way into laplanche that i thought would be helpful for for people so that would be one and i think that one's terrific and there is another in japa deborah browning wrote uh, also a book review that uh, covers i some some overlap with pascal's uh review they're both book essays really um, and they uh, attempt in, in a pretty successful way, I think, both Pascal's and Deborah's uh, works to, uh, to give a sense of, of some of the essential uh, conceptual movements uh, of Laplanche's work. And Deborah's, uh, Deborah's piece, uh, well, it's Deborah Browning, and it's in Japa, so it shouldn't be hard to find. 
um, and easy, uh, easily available. Both of these, I think, uh, if you have PEP, maybe maybe Pascal's is too recent. But uh, anyone who wants it can email me, and I'd be happy to send them any of this stuff. Let's um, then also take just a, maybe five minutes here, and then we'll kind of wind down with follow sort of final questions. But to sort of dip a little bit into why Laplanche is so important. Um, and I'm trying to think of how to phrase a question that might allow you to expound a little bit about, um, I think one of the things I found really helpful was when I began to understand the difference between an instinct and a drive. And it seems like, am I right that Laplanche really helped more than many, maybe anybody in helping us really begin to think about why that difference is so important? Because I wasn't taught that difference in my first year of candidacy about. Uh, Remember, it, it was entirely erased in the Anglophone universe, much less so in France. Um, so that in the standard edition, uh, there are the word, two German words are translated with one English word. So trieb, which is drive, is translated as instinct, and instinct is translated as instinct. And I think you're right that Laplanche, Laplanche and Pontalis, because I think you can almost find it, all of you, the basis for the distinction is begins to be elaborated in the language of psychoanalysis with him and and uh, and Pontalis. But uh, without without getting into that deeply. I think you bring us back then to what is sexuality, the notion that drives refer to sexual drives and instincts to something else. And it's important to make the distinction. And that by and large, Freud does, is consistent about the distinction, although he doesn't understand the origin of the distinction, and he keeps trying to mush the two together. Um, but he, he rarely uses the word instinct, although not never. Um, and uh, he uses it in a particular way. Uh, and what I you know, to go in many directions here, but let's go back to something you raised at the beginning, the importance of sexuality. And what Laplanche and Pontalis do, and what Laplanche does, is not only to clarify the distinction between instinct and drive, but to point out the problems Freud had. So, and just quickly, let me say, so Freud, where is sexuality initially in Freud? Up until 1897, up until he says, you know, writes that letter of the equinox, September 21st, 1897, you know, and he says, uh, you know, I'm, I've uh, given up my neurotica. I no longer believe my neurotica. And what was his neurotica? His neurotica was his seduction theory, early seduction theory, in which all and neuroses of defense, hysteria, and a couple of others, have their origin in uh, a child undergoing a, a sexual approach by an adult, either pleasant or unpleasant, as the case may be, resulting, he thought, in different neuroses. Um, and uh, that the children then were without sexuality. This is before infantile sexuality up till 1897, and sexuality is appears in children, in humans, uh, in the seduction theory, 
in an intersubjective way. It's the adult who brings sexuality to the child long before instinctual sexuality, in other words, puberty, comes about. Um, then he realizes, Freud does, that, wait a second, this doesn't work. Uh, there are many people who are hysterics but who didn't uh, suffer uh, sexual abuse as a child. Um, and uh, although he doesn't give up on the notion that those who did, you know, that it is a cause of problems to be uh, sexually abused as a kid, he never gives up that. But he has to give that up for all the reasons he lists in that letter. And then he's kind of stuck, right? Because his notion is that up until the end of his life, only what is sexual can be repressed. And it's repression that creates the unconscious. So what's what's a poor boy to do? Freud is kind of stuck here. He needs to somehow have sexuality in children. And if it doesn't come from the outside, it must somehow come from the inside. That's why he says in that famous letter, now I'm thrown back on heredity. You know, somehow it must be innate. So, but notice what he's trying to do. He, he's trying to uh, biologize sexuality, and that's what he does from then on. Uh, and in addition, thus, biologize the unconscious. And that's where he went astray, I guess. Would, would uh, Laplanche call that a going astray? Yes. And there's the, the great Laplanche text, which have translated. In fact, Donald Nicholson Smith translated it for us. Um, uh, which is uh, Problematique uh, 7, and it was in initially published under a variety of titles, but its subtitle has consistently been the, the, going, the biologizing going astray of sexuality in Freud. Um, and Freud loses track of the intersubjective aspect of the origin of sexuality, and thus of the origin of the unconscious. Um, so you can see how central this notion is. And if I, if I had, is there one major contribution of, of Laplanche is that, and the names that it runs under are, on the one hand, the general theory of seduction. So instead of abandoning the seduction theory, Laplanche suggests Freud should have generalized it. Um, and the the relationship of a child and the caregiver, the attachment relationship, is a relationship between an infant who has no unconscious and adult who does, with the unconscious being understood as quintessentially sexual. Um, then, of course, the question of what is sexual and infantile sexuality comes up. But uh, that's one name, the general theory of seduction. And the other name that comes late in his work but for the really the same body of concepts is the fundamental anthropological situation. And anthropological here in the sense that Kant might use it or that is the, you know, the, the study of man, the, what is it to be human? What is it to be a subject? And, um, and the fundamental situation is again, the, the child who has little, uh, was only beginning to acquire and unconscious in relationship with dependent on uh, caretakers and the culture 
but caretakers in particular, who have an unconscious uh, in the sense of a repressed unconscious uh, that is sexual through and through. So that, that's that. Those are that. That is Laplanche's contribution phrase. I think that probably doesn't exactly explain for people who are newer to this, but it gives them a taste of the what we get into um, and the very important, as I've begun to understand it, difference between the instinctual aspects of sexuality, which a lot of us, I think, have thought that is sexuality, and the drive-related components of or dimension of sexuality, which is an inner subjective psychic experience that comes from the other. Um, and I guess it's so important um, to begin to make that distinction in terms of where it leads us in terms of how to understand what we're doing as psychoanalysts. And it's very, it ends up being very different from the object relations kind of uh, approach to the unconscious as I'm beginning to see and as I learn Laplanche. Um, but let's see. Uh, let's, uh, I'm thinking last night I was at a Rigoletto, the LA opera, and which there's this seduction of a girl by this duke. Um, and I heard the lady behind me talking about how in those days these seductions were called seductions, but nowadays would call them rape. <laughs> um, at least in terms of what happened in this opera, but it was, I, I thought of Laplanche last but night. Let me, let me comment on that. There's a wonderful, in that book, which I is a good place to begin, Freud and the Sexual, there's a, uh, a brief essay called Sexual Crime, in which Laplanche directly addresses what I'll call the Rigoletto question. That, that, and um, he says, look, here I am, someone who thinks that the origin of the human subject, the origin of sexuality, comes because of the imposition of adult sexuality on the infant and child, unconscious though it may be, as well as, of course, anything conscious, but the key thing being uh, the unconscious, the, the loving uh, engagement, the attachment relationship, which is parasitized by the adult's on sexual unconscious. So uh, am I saying, Laplanche asks rhetorically, that every loving relationship between a mother and a child is a, a, a sexual crime? Um, and also asks the question, is all crime sexual? And so it's, it's, it's a delightful piece. It goes back to some of the stuff that happened in, you know, Freud's uh, study group, the Wednesday night study group in Vienna in those first years, and uh, where Freud talks about seduction, where he says the father innocently seduces the daughter, and he uses the word, you know, innocent almost three times in rapid succession, you know, uh, toward later than her having sexuality and masturbating, whereas the mother he uh, is presented in just the opposite sense. It's very guilty. So it, it's a perfect example of Freud where he's being incredibly insightful and discussing seduction and yet incredibly wrong and stuck in his sexist, you know, phallocentric uh, universe. And 
So he makes this leap forward while he's simultaneously spoiling it, as it were. And so it's a it's a delightful little, I don't know, 10, 15 page essay by by La Planche on exactly that subject. I had no idea when I brought that up. At least I don't think I did. But is that in one? Of, is that in your book, The Sexual, the one with the yeah, Freud and the Sexual? I think it's chapter eight. OK, I didn't read that one. I will. After having seen Rigoletto, I'll go read that one. And that one last question, because I can't help asking this before we sort of wrap up here. The um, so this uh, this confusion of tongue this, that Ferenzi talks about, where the child, the adult's sexuality, we I don't know, say leans on the child's affection, and there's a confusion of tongues in this this uh, intersubjective happening between these two. That that the the word tongues brings up the word languages, and is that why Laplanche and Pontalis? named the language of their book, The Language of Psychoanalysis, because psychoanalysis... You, you've got to blame that one on Donald Nicholson Smith. Their, their title is uh, the vocabulaire, the vocabulary of psychoanalysis. But, um, but um, look, language is a big question. Uh, and uh, uh, a linguist, you know, Lacan and uh, some of the other French think of linguistics, called it pilot science for psychoanalysis the whole structuralist tendency, that's not um, uh, La Planche uh, or Pontalis or the other. It doesn't mean that, that language isn't uh, uh, profoundly important. Um, but Ferenczi, so for instance, La Planche talks a good deal about Ferenczi uh, because of the, as you point out, the, the very obvious uh, uh, overlap between uh, especially that paper from, what is it, it was published in 33 or something, um, the confusion of tongues uh, and the notion of the adult speaking the language of passion and the child uh, not speaking it. So the, the confusion of tongues is clearly is a, a version of uh, the fundamental anthropological situation. The question uh, is what are the differences and so forth and Laplanche does take that up and does talk a good deal about uh, Ferenczi and that paper. Yeah, so from a Laplanche perspective, what we're doing as psychoanalysts is helping the, the client to find a language for his or her unconscious, um, which was originally um, constituted by this seduction scene by uh, seduction and repression however inadvertent however loving it, it constituted in the attachment situation the attachment relationship which can be wonderful or rotten um i mean that that's a you know laplanche writes about the relationship then uh, to attachment theory which uh you know Le, freud was not quite so ignorant of is sometimes presented. He talked about those things in terms of self-preservation, also in terms of the tender current, um, thus Freud. Uh, so he had a, did have a notion about this relationship, which was primarily about uh, attachment and not about sexuality. It's that it, that relationship can't exist except if there's an adult there to take care of the baby, the child. And if there's an adult there, then 
there's unconscious sexuality there. Not in the kid, maybe, but certainly in the adult. Um, so uh, what are we helping our patients do? Well, if our, our patients um, and we as subjects generally are constantly trying to uh, uh, give new meaning, translate elements uh, of our unconscious, uh, which can you know, then be at the origin of our most creative work and the origin of our symptoms, the origin of our dreams, you know, to the extent that it's in the repressed unconscious, there's the human tendency, that's what makes us a subject, what makes us a human, to give meaning to it, to translate it. So what do we do with patients? Well, both present tense and then, you know, so the here and now, but also the there and then, so not only the transference, but also one's history, uh, can uh, be given new meaning. That meaning may never be exhausted. The enigmatic uh, residues of uh, the interaction with our uh, caretakers uh, can never be fully translated. It always is a provocation to further translation, further meaning. Thank God, that's what makes us curious. Uh, you could say it's, you know, what Freud referred to as, you know, the instinct, the research instinct, the drive, really. Or I think uh, Lacan calls it, the, or maybe Freud does, the epistemophilic uh, drive. Um, the, the desire to understand, the desire to know. It does bring us, you were talking about translation there, translating the unconscious, and which is the name of your project, the unconscious and translation, which is my final question because we're over time. But should if people want to buy some of your books, they can go onto Amazon. That's where we usually go, right? But they can also go directly to your website of the unconscious and translation. And then, but does it cost more if they buy directly from you or does it cost? No, no. It, 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 a, it, it costs the same or always less, really. Um, it's The website is uitbooks.com. You know, it's uh, un unconscious in translation, uitbooks.com. And uh, at the moment, you can get a 20% discount off of everything with the uh, coupon code word SUMMER. And there's almost some kind of sale going on. Uh, that, And it certainly would be nicer for me because Amazon takes such a big cut. Okay. Well, I think we all want to support psychoanalytic publishing projects. So that's a little plug for that so i we're going to wrap it up and i just want to thank everybody for listening today hopefully you found it um very useful um, we're here at the new books and psychoanalysis podcast check out our website and feel free to email me with your comments and questions thanks um a lot jonathan for for doing this today my pleasure <laughs>